Welcome to the Out of Limits and Minute Tooth Radio Show. OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Before we talk about tonight's program, I just want to tell you real quick about the tremendous response that we got to our last show, which is the fourth interview we did with Chung Fu, the Ascended Being. Apparently, it was so positive that there are other ascended beings that now want to appear on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth. And apparently, we actually have a really good listenership in the fourth dimension. So we have listeners in the fourth dimension and the third dimension. I don't know any other show that has this. I just want to point out to you and tell you that this is pretty cool. So I'm excited about that. Our focus of tonight with our guests will not be so much predominantly metaphysical in nature or spiritual. We're not going to talk about exploring interdimensional realities. With our guest tonight, we're going to be talking about the keys of success, creative expressionism. Our featured guest has her own national radio show. She has high-level guests on her program. She's also been published several times. Uh, she's a very successful, and the way she goes about herself, uh, I think she carries herself with a lot of integrity, a lot of sincerity. So there are a lot of uh, great things I, I like about our guest, and I hope that in the course of our interview – She's able to teach you how to explore and express your talents in another similar fashion. So, let us begin tonight's program. Our guest today on the Out of Limits of Truth Radio Show is Miss Jane Wilkins Michael, best-selling author, nationally syndicated radio host. She's also a syndicated columnist. She probably read her articles on AARP. She knows Chicago Herald Tribune, Harper's Bazaar. So many other national magazines. Miss Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. I love it. Thanks so much for the introduction. Thank you. Oh, and before we start, let's just give you the website plug, which is janewilkinsmichael.com. Miss Michael, you're somebody who's accomplished a lot. What would you say would be three of the fundamental reasons why you've become successful in a very competitive world? Oh, goodness. That is a that is a curveball. What are the three? I oh, think I didn't what know. I, I didn't mean the th- uh, <laughs> How about just I'm thinking, one? What, what are the three? Just, can it be two? Can it two? Be four? Can it be any number? Actually, what are some of the what, I think I've hit a nerve. I've related to to women. My show and, and my audience, are they're basically women. And I think we're sort of all in it together, as it were. And, I, you know, I think that the message that I try to share is that no matter how old you are, what you've gone through in life, or what you're currently going through, it's never too early or too late to start to live a longer, happier, healthier lifestyle. And I think my accomplishment, if only two people out there are are are, are believing that they can, you know, hopefully I have a much larger audience than that. <laughs> I should say oh, that. Oh, uh, two people. You should... But no, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying that. But if if, if it resonates, it, it can. If it just resonates with with someone who says, you know what, you've changed. And I get a lot of feedback that you know, Jane, you've really changed my life with with helping me realize that this is possible. And don't give up. You know, I just think that a lot of people do. They don't understand that change is a process. They look at the entire picture. And they, it's like climbing a mountain. You can't do it in one step. You have to do it little by little. It's, it's progress, you know, and progress isn't a straight line. So I think my accomplishment is helping others become better than before and doing it in a way that's relatable, that it's not too much for them to comprehend, that it's not too much for them to assimilate. I try to cut it down to sort of basics that because, you know, we've all read books that we're looking and saying that what we should do or shouldn't do and we're going – Wait a minute! I don't understand. <laughs> what do they want me to do? It's even more confusing, and it's more stressful. So, I, I keep it simple. I try to, you know, I try to give women what I think that they need or they ask for, and and they kind of want to be happier. I think we all kind of do. You know, most of my listeners and audience says. You know, I ask them, what do you want out of life? And they answer from, from women in particular. I mean, they kind of all know what men want, right? Is to, to be yes, happier. Yes, we want peace, and, we want peace and quiet, and we want to be able to watch the football game without an interruption. Yeah, okay. Well, I was about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> you must be talking to my husband. Uh, but, you know, they want to be happier. They want to be less stressed, not to have more money, more shoes or bags, you know. Perhaps that might make some women happy, I'm just saying. 
but you know, just sort of embrace life more fully. But what they have to understand is that it, it doesn't happen overnight, unfortunately. You know, there are no quick fixes or magic bullets. Again, it's a process. But uh, you can be happier. You can be less stressed. You can be more self-fulfilled. You know, women and men. You know, we can all be healthier. We can live longer. Maybe be more successful if that's what we want. Boost our self-confidence. Build better relationships. Have more fun. The list is endless. Ryan, and the potential almost infinite. Well, say, for example, somebody says, and number of people say, okay, well, my life is at this point right now, and I desire for it to be a certain way. So my vision for it to be a certain way is, you know, these three fundamental things. When the person has desire and they want to change and and they really do desire to have their life change, what would be maybe two fundamental principles that they have to incorporate? If they're going to go from point A to point B, point B being their ultimate uh, dream or vision for how their life should be, what is the, the two necessary steps you said? Well, you can't change overnight, but what fundamentally has to happen in order for that fundamental change to be enacted to go and become the change that they wish it to be? Well, I think, first of all, they have to take baby steps. And, you know, the Japanese have a word for it, and I talk about that in my book, Kaizen, two words, Kai for happiness and for change. So they have to think that it's going to be continuous change for the better, and that's what we should strive for. And I think that I would say back, you know, just kind of take a few steps back. Take some deep breaths, you know, meditate if you can, or just take those three deep breaths, and and try to write down what you want out of life to but realistically you know i mean i i sort of fancy myself as a doctor even though i didn't go to medical school but i've interviewed enough that i i i do <laughs> but i i i kind of of course wearing the stethoscope around sort of gives it away but you know i mean to be realistic uh and i think that a lot of people uh don't take that time to really you know it just becomes one big blur for them so I'd say step back and take some deep breaths and, and kind of get a hold of your life and see where do you want to go? What are you, what are your goals? You know, write them down. I always say write them down. I think then you can look at them in front of you and try to slowly, um, you know, slowly work your way toward making them a reality. So, Michael, I want to bring to your attention also to the attention of our listeners that we had a previous phenomenal guest on our show, Reverend Sally Perry. And she was a uh, metaphysical teacher, and she described when you write something down, it carries a much denser and higher frequency. You're actually putting the uh, the power of the words becomes much stronger when you're writing it down because you're visually seeing it, and it just has a different frequency about it. So I want to bring it to your attention. And earlier in your life, did you what was the, what were some of the challenges that you faced growing up? Did you ever have a pressure uh, to conform to? kind of not embrace your total individualism? Well, oh, <laughs> that's curveball number two. Oh, I didn't mean to throw a curveball. Oh, I'm not I'm kidding, I'm kidding trying to drill you. <laughs> These are the hard questions, the tough ones. Um, I think we all go through that. You know, I've had women on the show, some gorgeous women, and, and they say, well, we weren't always that pretty. Like, okay, uh, <laughs> granted, you know, we were sort of ugly ducklings and now we're swans. But, you know, they're Victoria's Secret models, so okay, we can't, all, we can't all be like that. But we all go through stuff, you know? I mean, as a matter of fact, you know, I, I once asked a shaman, I know you've had her on the show, I said, you know, what is the what is the meaning of life? Because it can be confusing. Again, we all go through the stuff in our head, and then it gets just some of it is too much, you know, all these voices in our head. And she said, well, I'll ask the guides. I will ask my angels. I will get back to you, and, and I will let you know the meaning of life. So I waited and waited and waited. And then I'll, I'll backtrack a few years after this, but I just was thinking of this as you were asking me that question. And then um, she finally called and she said, oh, I have the secret. I know the meaning of life. And I said, okay, what is it? And she goes, stuff happens. Um, she didn't use the word stuff, but I'm not going to say the word she did use. Move on. You know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. So I've learned that. But it but it came the hard way. I always think I had some very um, impressive, uh, impressive in the word, some, uh, well, they are impressive. My, my parents were very driven family. And uh, my brother 
and was very, very, he was, like, brilliant. He was, like, the A student. <laughs> he could ski. He could ride. He could do everything. And and my my parents were very, very successful. So coming from that kind of family, I think you – there's a tendency to feel that so much is put upon you. And, and, and in a way, you feel, well, can I do it? And there's always that doubt. And I think as you get older, you sort of – the doubt becomes more, you know what? I, I think I can, and if I can't, hey, it's okay. But we all go through that. It's just part of life, you know. I see I have six-year-old identical grandchildren, and they're living in a world now, granddaughters, who there's a lot of bullying out there. There's a lot of, you know, it makes a lot in the, in the Internet and social media. Sometimes it makes you feel lesser than, and, and you can't let that bother you. I remember asking Dr. Phil, how do you deal with the stress of every day? He goes, you just deal with it. It's just noise in the background. He said, if you ever think about how little people actually think about you, then you wouldn't let it bother you that, you know, you're always – you think people are, are always thinking about you sort of negatively. But they don't care. <laughs> you know, it's, they just don't care. You're giving it more credence than, than you should. So I guess I don't know if that answered your question. Well, actually, it wouldn't. It wouldn't elaborate a little bit more. But in your life, what would you say yeah. would be some of the, the the biggest challenges you currently face? Maybe the some of the the toughest times that you faced, and how did you kind of get to where you are right now? Because you know everyone has good times, everyone has some bad times. What would be some of the the, the personal hardships you faced? Personal well, hardships I faced. I'm trying to think of some of the hardships. I mean, sometimes I I don't like to focus on them, so I sort of put them in the background. Uh, again, I, I'm not specifically some of the personal hardships I faced. I just think... Yeah, it's know, not to revise them, but... Growing it, it, up it, it, in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not easy, let me tell you. Well, I mean, no, no, actually, since you, you came from a family that's very competitive, and imagine that you came yeah, from a family... Yeah, that's, so, you know, that's you, the word. The, so what was that like? I mean, how did that... I mean, did, were you forced to kind of grow up quicker than an average person because I guess some kids that when they you know they grow up they can just be kids and they can just kind of run around but I guess imagine if you're in a competitive family it's like everyone hey you know you have to step it up you have to you know take charge and assert yourself imagine is that well, that, that, is, that, that is that is very very true and my father died at it when I was when I was young and and I think that really was a challenge for me because we lived this sort of a dream life we had this gorgeous penthouse on the river in, in New York City with with uh, views of, you know, the most beautiful right across from the mayor's mansion. And um, we had a country house and we had stables and we had, you know, a koi pond on our terrace. It was just a magnificent way to live. And when my father died, now he was the presiding judge of the Supreme Court, I must say. He died in test day. He, he was very, very superstitious. So he decided that he wasn't going to have a will. If he had a will, he would die. <laughs> That's what. So we were on vacation in Montecatini, Italy, and they give you it's 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 therapy, it's water therapy, the terme. You know, it's it's when they you drink the water and you bathe in the water and they give you mud baths and it's it's just a, it's a wonderful cleansing. That's their way to detoxify. And when we got there, the manager of the hotel said he took us to the to the suite just to follow along with this this theme of of luxury and said, oh, Christian Dior died in this bed many many years ago, and I got this really horrible feeling of something terrible was going to happen. And the next day, my father had a heart attack because the heat, you know, whatever he was doing was just too much for his body. And he died right there in Italy, right in front of me. So we had to go back on the plane with his coffin, um, and we flew back with it because, you know, he was a politician, and my mother was very successful. So there I was. You know, my life changed dramatically when I was young. And it was no longer the life that I had known. And, and I think it was, uh, it's traumatic. And I, I always had a feeling that, you know, my mother who, my brother had been sickly when I was growing up and she always kind of coddled him. And it was kind of like she was still continuing to coddle him. Hey, wait a minute, what about me? <laughs> you know, I'm here too. So they sort of took it upon themselves to get it because he was older and, you know, to get everything in order. But it, it changed my life really, really dramatically. And, and after that, we moved. And then my mother got married uh, many times after that. And it was it was difficult for me. So I, I think that was sort of the turning point in my life. 
that um, made me realize that, you know, it's not always unicorns and glitter. Things happen. Stuff happens. And, um, you know, sometimes you have to learn from it and and become a better person because of it. And I I think when I look back, um, I do try. You can't rewrite history per se, but you can give it a better ending. And I try to think that I inherited all the the best qualities from him and from my mother who who died subsequently and and I've become a better person because of it, a stronger person because of it. So I didn't cave in, I didn't die emotionally. I just you know, it was a, a bit of a fight but I I survived. And I do think I'm a better and certainly a better parent and a better mother. My parents being that successful were not the greatest Caregivers, <laughs> for for lack of a better word. So, um, so, so you think, do you think that you have a much better balance with your family than you than your parents yes. did because you much much better? And I learned from, you know, my mother was a fantastic, a wonderful, amazing woman. But again, she wasn't sort of the mommy type, which I am. And I think because of that. I became the mommy type. I didn't just leave my kids with nannies and and sort of go to work. And I, I honestly don't think that any woman on her deathbed would say, gee, I wish I had spent more time at the office. <laughs> and when my mother was on her deathbed, she died of Alzheimer's. And it was a horrible, horrible disease. That was another turning point in my life. That was just awful. She was on her – but she had a moment of lucidity, and she said two things. You should comb your hair. And the second is, I really think that I, I really am sorry that I didn't spend more time with you and your brother. So, wow. you know, that was very telling and, and very um, very sad that that was a, a thought in her moment of lucidity uh, that she thought of that. But um, I said, you know, that was fine. You gave me what you, you did, and I, I appreciate that. It's another thing. We have to be grateful, and I, I have gratitude. I'm learning that. That's really the most important thing because if you're not grateful for what you have, you'll never have enough. I take that line from Oprah. Thank you very much. As well, you're really <laughs> keep passionate. You know, what is the fine line between having a love of what you do for a living, uh, knowing that you, you could be impacting lives and you could be having a great time and doing all these wonderful things, kind of being a, a full tilt expression of your creative energy, and also at the same time, Showing the respect and showing the the, the love that your family definitely needs. What is that fine line, or what is the balance point? Do you think between having a successful career, putting your energy into that, and also giving your family the love that definitely needs? Wow. Well, you know what? Um, the the unfortunate thing. I don't know if it's unfortunate, but the reality is. You you really can't have it all. Something's no. got to give either from family or it's got to give for career. And I remember years and years ago, Joan London, remember her? She was on yep. Good Morning America or one of the shows. Uh, and she said, you know, it's not hard to be a mom. And then ABC had built an entire nursery for her. <laughs> so all she had to do was go down a couple floors or wherever it was and, and see her kids. <laughs> That's not reality. And I tell the story often that, you know, I tried to be a a superwoman once, and I remember saying to myself, you know, today I'm going to do everything. You know, you all see these superwomen, they get up at five, they go to the gym, and then they they answer their emails, and they make hot breakfast instead of giving your kid the the frozen pancake that you haven't really defrosted yet. (laughs) And and, and then then I I was going to be that. And then, of course, they, they bring their kids to school and they're back at work and they have equally perfect children and all is well with the world. But so I said, this is the morning I'm going to do that. I made my decision that day. So I even laid out my husband's clothes and he had a tendency sometimes when he dresses early to wear like a black shoe and a brown shoe. <laughs> I made sure that didn't didn't happen. I gave them breakfast. I I don't have an at-home gym, but I managed to do some sort of workout. All was well with the world. I uh, took my older kids to school, or to the bus, actually, and I brought my, my little girl uh, to school, to nursery school. And uh, I remember coming back at my desk and writing my column and saying, who says you can't be Wonder Woman? Who says you can't have it all? Perfect parent, great career, you know, I know the answer. I'm there. And then just then the phone rang, and it was Mrs. Butters 
from the nursery school. And she said, Mrs. Michael, is everything okay at your house? And I said, sure, it's great. You know, what, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, you seem to have sent your daughter to school in her pajamas. <laughs> so I learned right then and there <laughs> that maybe you can't do it all. And for me, now, again, this is just for me, but I chose motherhood and, and managed to combine it. Now, I, I have the kind of career that you you could be a little more flexible. I was at Town & Country magazine when I had my my first child and I think my second child. And then when I had uh, my third, I moved and worked some days a week at home. I was I, I had that flexibility. Again, not everyone has. And, of course, just when I tried to pick up the phone or trust when I was doing an interview, you know, they'd start to fight. They'd be fine all the time <laughs> except when I was on the phone or had to do something or speak to someone. And then they'd fight. And, and uh, you know, I remember someone at the other end saying, are those children? And I said, oh, you have no idea. There's some <laughs> some woman at the office who brought her horrible children <laughs> to work. <laughs> and they said, oh, you poor thing. I said, yeah, yeah, you, you really have no idea. But anyway, so I tried to make it work. You do the best you can. Really, you do the best you can. But for me, again, it was a personal choice. Not everybody can do that. Some people have to go to a, a job all day, and some people like that. You know, they they can't wait to get out of the house, and that's fine. That's their choice, but it wasn't mine, given my background and given the fact that I really miss that parenting from my mother, from my parents. Now, if you're thinking that, okay, someone's very driven in their career, someone's very driven with their their kids, and if right. you think of kids and career as carrying a tray full of eggs, I'm sure you're going to drop a few eggs. But I, mm-hmm. I guess the thing, question I want to ask is what are the key eggs that you need to preserve? What are the fundamental lessons that you need to, to preserve when you're com- communicating with your family? What are the fundamental key points that you need to uh, convey in your career? Knowing that you you can't have it all, but you got to, I guess, say to the core principles, what are the core principles of a successful family and what are the core principles of a successful career? Well, as far as being having being a successful parent, I think you really have to be engaged when you when you time with your children. You can work, of course, you can work, but when you're with them, you have to really be with them. There's so many parents that I see; they will be spending time with their children, but it's not really spending time because they're on the on the phone or they're texting or they're on the computer. You know, it's, so it's not that same really quality time. I don't like that expression, but it's quality time. And that's what you should strive for. When you're there, you're really there. So it doesn't have to be all day. It could be two hours. It could be one hour. But they have to know that you're there for them. And they have to know that you're listening. Because sometimes, you ever talk to someone and you know they're not listening, they sort of, you know, give you an answer. Well, that's what you can't be as a parent. You really have to listen to what they say. And respond to them and, and love them and know that they're loved. Give them a safe haven. Know that when they come home or, or when you're there, it, it, it's you surround them with, with love as best you can. And that's important. You know, they don't care how much money, you know, at a certain point. As they get older, sure they do. Yeah. <laughs> All they want is your Amex card. But, you know, when they're, when they're young, they don't, you know, they don't know wealth and money. I mean, I went to a private school in New York City. We had the, the very, very, very wealthiest girls. It was an all-girls school who went to school. We didn't we didn't care about that. You know, she was just kind of one of the girls in particular. She was nasty. That's all we cared about. We didn't care who her parents were. She was nasty. But, um, you know, you have to let them know that you love them, which is more important than, than buying them stuff, I think. Of course, they all want stuff, so that's another thing. But you can buy them stuff. That's all right. As a grandparent, you can always buy them stuff, and you can even give them sugar. <laughs> but um, it, it's that's the important part: is to devote yourself to them when you're with them, and then your career when you're when you're working, and then you can sort of have both. Uh, Ms. Michael, you wrote a book called "The Long Was a Long Live You." Long live you. I step by step plan to look and feel better than ever before, and you devote an entire chapter about spirituality. I was wondering if you can please discuss that chapter and talk about your spiritual beliefs and 
where you and muscle where do you think collectively speaking uh, where you are at this point where have you where have you grown to well for me spirituality is not something you do it's something you are it is the ultimate sense and i think that for me at least again i'm talking for myself that it is my guiding force in life to have that connection to a greater power. And no matter how down or depressed or, you know, the, the, the day, not everybody, as I said, not everything is a unicorns and glitter. Some people have really bad days or some people are sick or some people, I mean, we, we all have stuff. But to know that there is a a force, a, a, a magnitude, a, a, a higher power, a, a transcendental force, so much bigger than I am or than all of us, is very comforting to me. And I try to connect to this higher power. And um, I'm not afraid to put out to the universe anything that I want in life. And, and, and I do think it responds by letting many blessings flow back to me and I'll I'll just give you a, a quick example of, of someone who put it out to the universe I was at a, a media event last week and there was a raffle at the end for a trip and everyone put their their forms in and there was a big kind of fishbowl and the woman standing next to me she was she was actually at CBS News and she said oh I'm going to win I said what do you mean you're going to win <laughs> you know, how, how do you know she goes oh I'm going to win There's, it's not up for debate well, would you believe she won? And I, I said, wait, wait, is this fixed? I mean, I go, what, what just Maybe happened? She, 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 she's fixed. She knew the person. She, um, she got to go. How, how, how did this happen? And I said, what, what did you do? She said, I put it out to the universe that I was going to win, and I was confident that I would win. And she won. And I said, wow, that really is the power of the universe at work. And, you know, I, I tell you something. When, when, whenever I get depressed, um, you know, I, I look at the sunset or, or if I'm near the beach, I look at the ocean. And, and I, I'm just reminded again that something this magical has to, has to be the creation of this force. Again, that is so much bigger than all of us. So there is hope. I think we all need hope. Right. That's what keeps us going. And it keeps me going day in and day out. Right. I need that hope. So you said you interact with the universe, you see yourself as part of the universe, and um, mm -hmm. you, you, there's a, some sort of higher power that's greater than you. Do you perceive yes. the higher power as greater than you because you are currently focusing all of your energy and frequency into a physical body, or do you feel that the universe, or the force that is outside, perceived force that may be outside of you, is only outside of you because you are human, that in another perception you are probably more along the lines of one with that force. Well, it, it doesn't have to be. I mean, some people do feel it's, a, it's you know, and this is separate from religion, as you know. It, it's Spirituality is not. You can't confuse it. I mean, there is obviously a lot of spirituality in religion, but it's different. I don't see it. I mean, I, I believe in God, per se. I believe in that force. So for me, it's it's, it's a God. It is God. Where it's my angel, it's my mother, it's my father. You know, people who have passed on that are that are with me and they guide me. Uh, and I'll tell you a story in a minute of how I know that they're there. And so um, I, I don't see it as as, as one thing. I, I just feel it. I feel it as a force that that's with me and and pulling me in the right direction. And that I know if it's with me that nothing will ever. Nothing bad will ever happen because there will always be an intervention by this force. And we That's all awesome. have to go through stuff. You know, we do go through stuff. It's not, you know, as I said, we all go through it. Every one of your listeners is sitting there, you know, shaking their head and going, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going through this stuff too. But if you don't have hope, you don't really have anything. And, and this force is what gives me hope that I'm protected and that everything will be all right. As my daughter says, you know, everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. <laughs> so mm -hmm. she's very wise. So that's, that's my feeling. I don't know. You said you were able to perceive uh, people that are, that are helping you. Do you feel them? Do you hear them? Do you see them? And um, if so, why do you feel that you were able to have a, a 
connection with them? Well, I do. I mean, I, I, I feel them. I think when my mother died, her spirit went um, into me that we became one fighting you know, fighting the world, fighting fighting everything together. She she became part of me in this fight, whereas she had been sick and it, and she was uh, it was a very difficult time for me for ten years when she was going through Alzheimer's, which was just a horrible horrible disease. Uh, it just took her, it robbed her of of everything. Although in her mind she was fine. I finally had to put her in a in a nursing home, and she thought she was in Capri, I think, because she'd ask the fellow residents to meet her at the bar. At, Seven. <laughs> so I say, hey, wherever she is, that's fine. I don't, I'm not, you know, it's good. I wish I were there sometimes. But um, so uh, I, I feel, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is, I don't know if you and I had discussed this at one point before, but um, I, I look for a sign of someone from above who's watching over me. And then I, I, I also pray a lot, but I'll get to that in a minute. So for her, uh, she designed a, the, the, the pack of Newport cigarette, Lorillard or whoever the tobacco company was, came to our apartment, I remember, and she designed the swoosh. I wish I got residuals from that because I think that's the one Nike used, but that's another show <laughs> entirely. That's a legal show. So for some reason, I, I, I kind of associated that with her, <clears throat> but and not the smoking part, just the design on the, on the pack. And sometimes I go out, if I'm feeling particularly – bothered by something and I'll look down and there is a pack of Newport and it follows me or I'll see one or two or three or four and if you're open to find this sign that someone from above is um, looking after you and sending you signals that's why your spirituality has to kick in you have to believe in this and I've said this to, sort of, to people I said do you, do you wonder if someone passed on if there was sign or a signal that you know they're still with you? I mean, what do they, what is their favorite thing? Well, someone said, oh, it's a coin, or someone said, oh, my husband was a hunter, so it was a little deer. I said, well, have you seen any signs of that? She said, well, come to think of it, the other day I was looking for in my car trunk for something, and there was a little, like a little deer that one of my grandchildren had left, like a toy. And I said, wow, you know, that's it. <laughs> you know, you've you're you're there. You're you're getting there. You're realizing that 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 force is with you. It's amazing. Is this making any sense whatsoever? No, it is, it is making sense. But <laughs> the, the thing, what I'm curious about is the idea of hope. Yes. It's the well, what is the principle of hope? And I'll explain something. Is that okay? We all live. I, I, I can't understand or explain anything about our reality. I know one thing. I just know that um, I have uh, this incredible love for for my family. I know that to be the one thing I would say that's definite. All other things, you know, I would call them hypotheticals or, or subject to question. Um, so I do, I do know that. But as far as w what is hope, where does the hope come from? What is, is is hope a delusion? Is hope the idea that, okay, well, I want things to be better and I'm banking on things to be better. I'm putting something out there knowing they're going to be better, but I'm not incorporating any type of rational aspect of that. I just believe they're going to be better. And I guess um, by putting that out there, do you create hope? by affirming its existence. This hope exists when you affirm it to be so, and it comes in the universe manifesting it in the form of whatever which way you desire. Well, I, I think that it exists, and I think that uh, you have, first of all, the, the first thing is to believe that it does. That's fine. But it, it doesn't just happen, you know. I think you have to work toward it. That's why writing things down, writing down your goals, we get back to what we discussed in the beginning. You have to write it down. And you have to work toward what you want, you know. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You you have to have the basics of it. That's the foundation. But then you have to put in a little work, too. You can't just say, oh, I want to be such and such, you know, without working toward it. So it's sort of a combination of, of both. You have to be willing to – that's why your goals can't be so unrealistic that, that you're – it's sort of, you know, you're, you're sabotaging yourself. Because if you say, oh, I want to be um, – have an, a radio show. You've never done radio work. You don't even know. I mean, it's just, it's fine to say that, but the actuality or the reality is that maybe it's not going to happen. 
So you have to have a kind of a plan B. You know, what are you good at? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? List them. See what you want to do. Just get a basic picture of what you want out of life. What are your goals? You know, how how to make a change. You know, change isn't going to happen until you acknowledge that 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 you want it to happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, it doesn't just happen out of the blue, right? So be honest with what you want. Sit down and have a little self-introspection and say, look, you know, this is what I really want. I, I don't want to be depressed anymore. I don't want to be unhappy all the time. A lot of time cancer survivors, all they want to do is think that it's going to come back. And it's, oh, it's going to come back. Their lives are ruined because they wake up every morning and say, oh, it's going to come back. So my advice to them, and I've worked with cancer survivors, is to sort of put it in a place. You know, I call them CDs, cancer demons, that play over and over in your mind that it's going to come back no matter what you do, right? So, you know, talk to them. Sort of give them a separate life. Say, look, I can't deal with you now. I haven't had breakfast yet. You know, come back later when I have more, you know, more time and I can give it some thought. But don't let... Don't let these thoughts overpower you. It's the same with anxiety. You can drown in it. You sort of have to put it in the right place. And um, if you if you do, and it, it takes work on your part. It's not automatic, unfortunately. Uh, there's something we've discussed in our program before, and that is the principle of cognitive dissonance. It's the idea that you know, people are they perceive reality in one way, and anything that contradicts that reality is, is seen as kind of irrelevant, doesn't happen, doesn't exist. And the reason why I'm bringing up cognitive dissonance to you is because I love the idea that people can be really passionate and say, I want to do things a certain way, and I want to ignore whatever naysayers are saying that it cannot be done this way. And what I want to ask you is, what is the fine line between having a strong belief pattern and belief that something will be a certain way and choosing to ignore the facts, which could be seen in cognitive dissonance, and by choosing to ignore the facts, you're actually putting yourself in a perilous position of not only not attaining your goal, but actually heading towards an epic disaster because you're not aware of and not willing to perceive other sources of information that could either actually help you along that goal. A very long question. Can you put this? <laughs> can you put this in a few? I will simplify the question. Cognitive dissonance basically means, long story short, you do not perceive you you will you refuse consciously or consciously to perceive any information that is a contradiction or challenges your current belief patterns. So. Oh, I see. So in other words, yeah, I mean, what I think about it, I think you have to keep an open mind if that's the thing, that, that anything is possible if you really, you know, again, within reason, if if you really if you really try, you know, it's, it's, it's um, what did Yoda say? Um, there is no, there, what is, there, what there is no say? try, only do. Uh, yes, uh, yes, uh, 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 yes. Uh, don't give it right. Do or do not. There is no try. In other words, you know, no half-hearted, att- no half-hearted attempts. Only conviction and resiliency will succeed. So you, you do. My mother used to say, "Hit your wagon to a star." So yes, you do have to have that goal and that hope. And and you can't. When she she was a very famous designer, and she had her own business when most women in the fifties did not work, basically. So I said to her, what gave you that, 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 that impetus, that push to, to become successful? And she said, when I was in art school, I made a drawing of a, of a mannequin, you know, that would obviously wear the, the clothes that she was designing. And the art teacher came by and said, that's not a hand you made. That looks like a paw. And she said, paw indeed. And she said, I will show them that I am going to be the best at what I do. And she went on to become the best at what she did. So sometimes that bit of negativity, that bit of doubtfulness in someone else about what you can do, or even in yourself, you have to keep pushing and saying, you know what, I can do it. I can push myself. I know I can. But you have to have that feeling in you that that says you can do it. It starts with, with what goes on inside of you. So I never let people say what I should be doing or what I can or can't do. It's what I feel, and 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 you can, and you have to believe in yourself. You know, I I think that everything is possible if you believe in you. That's where it comes from. 
And don't let other people tell you what they want you to do or what they think of you. You don't care. It's what you what you feel in your heart and soul. I go with my gut. I go with my heart. I go with my soul. And so far that hasn't let me down because I have a really strong intuitive feeling about what's right and what's wrong. And I also have a very strong people sense. And that's scary sometimes because I feel sometimes I know so much about someone and and it's it frightens me. So <laughs> when, it com- when it comes to people sense, I would love to just bring your attention uh, and, and or listeners' attention to a phenomenal book. It's called Blink. Malcolm Gladwell. Love this book so much because he talks about a principle called thin slicing and he really talks about – you know, after you see and been in a situation several times, you'll be able to spot a situation really, really quickly, and you'll be able to actually read people very quickly. And he actually goes through this process. I feel it's very, very innovative. And as far as you being able to read people, what do you what do you do? Is it is it intuition? What are you picking up on a person when you first talk to them, when you first meet them? Well, it's not it's not like um, it's not like um, when I went to a fortune teller years ago. Um, Many many years ago, when I when I actually started out, and and I felt like I was sort of destined to be a, a journalist, a, a radio host, and um, she pulled me off the street of New York City, and she put my hand in hers, and she said, uh, not that I would ever go to someone who had a big flashing sign that said psychic and took Visa and Mastercard, but, <laughs> and she said, you know, someday you'll be in a place that God has created for you, and I thought. You know, but it sounds like a line from Oprah. You know, what's she talking about? But then throughout my career, and I've had a, a very good career, I'm happy to say. I started by writing about, you know, beauty, health, and fitness. You mentioned a little bit about it in the intro. And I worked for Town & Country ma- Magazine. My first book was Interviewing Star Athletes. And, uh, you know, I create now my own mini magazine on my website. I host the radio show. And, of course, as you mentioned again, thank you, my latest book is uh, Long Live You. And and I think that um, my intuition that I was meant for greatness, quote unquote, not to mention you know Miss Cleo's predictions, um, were were correct. And and I was meant to make a difference in this world by helping others look and feel better than before, which is how I got the title of my book. So um, I think yeah, I mean I think our intuition is is very powerful. So I read that in people, and I think everyone has that. So I can pick it. Pick it up from others. I can pick up if someone is a is a good person. Okay. So there's the office line. Oh, okay. Is a good person yeah, or should I stop? You can edit no, no, that out. No, no, Absolutely not. Is a good person or or someone who you have to be a little wary of? And and I have my guard up because I can I can I can kind of pick that out. My mother was that way too. My father wasn't that way. He said, you're so psychic, join a circus. <laughs> That's not the point. <laughs> so um, I, I, I think it's—I think you're kind of born with that intuition that you can pick up from others. And I remember when my kids were growing up, I used to give them white lights, and I used to protect them. I used to put the – have them – rid them of all the negative energy, and I could almost feel it going out of my fingers when I gave them healings. And then I surrounded them with white lights to protect them, and nothing bad would ever come in the white lights. So I'm very – I remember when I was growing up, I used to ask my parents and my nannies, you know, are you positive it's going to be all right? I needed that positivity, that it was going to be all right. I need that affirmation, that things will be all right. So I try to continue with that now to say it will be all right. I know it will be. And I feel it in my gut, and and I have to go with that. That's what keeps me going. The thought that no matter what we're going through, it will be all right in the end. That's good, and I hope I hope it'll be okay. I hope things are going to be. It will be okay. Good. You can't say I hope. You have to be positive. You have to say it will be okay. It will be okay. <laughs> it will. It will. It will be okay. You have hope. Don't you have hope, Ryan? You have yeah, to have a little bit. I love it. Here's the thing. I, 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 I want my family to be okay. I hope they're okay. I don't have any hope for humanity at all. But I've let everyone know, the listeners know about this. I've let our wonderful listeners know that, hey, you know, let's grow. Let's evolve. Let's have fun. Humanity uh uh-uh, going to be off the planet pretty soon. I, I, I'm like, I would say that I'm George Carlin in that light aspect. George Carlin. Wow. Very cynical perspective on humanity. He's like, yeah, it's going to just destroy itself. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll be surprised. I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I'm hopeful that I'm hopeful that every person that wants to grow and I guess has hope can probably reach a, a great level. And I'm also convinced that people who don't have hope will probably reach wherever they want to go. And I guess if um, the people who are hopeful that want to do a lot of love and peace and create a better world, if their will is stronger and stronger than the people who want to create a destructive world, then I imagine that we'll have a, a more peaceful world. I just don't know where we are right now as far as the balance goes. Well, I think, first of all, let's concentrate on ourselves before we decide to heal the world because I think that's where it starts in ourselves. And I always say that, you know, every day we have two choices to make. We can make excuses or we can make something happen. The choice is ours. So I think we should try to make something happen, whatever level we're on, if it's big, if it's small, something. And, uh, you know, I think we should be grateful. I really do. I think we should practice more gratitude every single day. We should celebrate our little small victories and I think we have to learn to look and 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 look at life in a more positive light. And and I do honestly believe that even our greatest trials can be the greatest opportunities for growing and finding purpose. And my mother used to say, if you're not happy by nature, and not that everyone is, I'm a little bit more in the depressive side. Uh, the, the doom and gloom. I don't know if you picked that one up, but, but no, you actually, don't have you, that. you, you seem very, you seem very hopeful. You seem very hopeful. Oh well, no, I, no, but I think yes, I am hopeful because I have to. My mother used to say, if you're not hopeful, practice it like an instrument every single day. Practice happiness, and and you have to. I mean, you have to turn it around, and and that's what I try to do every day. You have to laugh. You can't ever be depressed when you're laughing. I, I try to find humor. I tried to find humor. I even found humor in the nursing home when I went to visit my mother because they had bingo in the dementia ward. And I said, what is bingo? You know, how do they remember? Like, be what? And she goes, well, think of it this way. Like, if you have B9, and this is Mermelstein, your tumor is B9. And that's how it, you know, I, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> you know? I, I was thinking there was funny. I tried to find, I, 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 that's it. That's the core. That's the gist. Try to find this humor and try to be a little humorous yourself. I love people with a sense of humor. I, I do. I'm always suspect of people who have absolutely no sense of humor. But well, You mentioned that, that that's important. important. Like dark humor. I, I, I love dark humor, though, the humor, the body humor, because I feel like if somebody can make a joke about something so morbid and they can bring peace to it, I always feel they're taking away the negative connotations from it. One comedian I love is Dave Chappelle because he would go through and, and really go through and tackle a lot of very controversial and taboo subjects and he'd make people laugh. So I don't know. I mean, sometimes I guess the people say, well, you know, I don't want to laugh at that. I, I mean, I'm going to hell if I laugh at that. I'm like, I don't know. It's like if you could laugh at any situation and bring light to anything. it. Yeah, go you know, for it. Okay. Go, go for it. But at the end of the day, the only thing you can change is is you. And when you try to change others, I know because my husband would no would no more eat a piece of kale or escarole than if it, it was the last food on earth. <laughs> so I've given up <laughs> trying to change him to his 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 ways of eating. Although he had to have a heart attack. Imagine with all I know and all he knows that you know got him to lose the weight and say, hey, look, you know, I don't. I'm, oh, I'm going to change my lifestyle. You know, yeah, it, I mean it, that's a whole different thing. So, oh. but you can't change someone else. You can just suggest you can say it would be helpful or as dr phil told me on the show you know you could say it's for your own good i meant nothing to do with me or stuff like that especially for your spouse but um at the end of the day as i said the only thing you can change is you and the way you look at life and the way you look at things and the way you try to be a little more uh, positive about it i try again it's a struggle it's a struggle you know it's, it's not always easy and some things happen and, and make you depressed and makes you it makes you um upset and you know it's that and i know for cancer survivors that um i had worked with and one woman said to me which i'll never forget she said you know they were wheeling me into the surgery she had a mastectomy and she looked at the exit sign she said i wasn't really out of it yet and i said you know i can get right off this table and i can run and she said, but I didn't, and I went through with it. And when I came out, I came out a whole different person. And she said, you know, I always think of this saying, just when the caterpillar thinks it's going to die, it turns into a butterfly. And that's how I think about it in my life. And I thought that was a very wonderful, positive feeling. Um, and And she's done remarkably well. And she's written books and she's doing great so 
Excellent. Miss Jane Wilkins Michael, best selling yes. author and an actually respected columnist, nationally syndicated radio host. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. To learn more about Miss Michael by going to it her website. My pleasure. At, thank you. And uh, at janewilkinsmichael.com. And the book, one of her, she's got two really great books Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner of Champions. And she has another great book you would definitely want to check out called Long Live You, a step-by-step plan to look and feel better than ever been before. Thank you so much, Ms. Michael, for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And come on my show, and we'll discuss all your issues as well. Oh, jeez. <laughs> It'll be an extension of this show. Yeah, and everyone who will be listening in the car will we'll fall asleep, and we'll have multiple accidents. I can't do that. Oh, I don't I don't think so. I think you're a lot more interesting than than than, than you even know. So. Thank you. Wolf. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our phenomenal guest, Miss Jane Wilkins Michael, and special thanks as always to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Casa, and Miss Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and fears. Take care, and thank you so much for listening. Hello, this is Ryan, host and executive producer of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, here today to tell you about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show virtues. Miss Carrie O'Connor, psychic medium, psychic empath, Lisa Kaza, and astro phenom Constance Stellis. All three of these individuals are powerful metaphysical seers, teachers. I love talking to them, and I think you should talk to them as well. Psychic medium Carrie O'Connor, which you can find her at CarrieO'Connor.com, will provide a lot of insight on your life. She visually sees spirits. She can tell you all kinds of great information, facilitate communication with your loved ones. Awesome. Check her out, CarrieO'Connor.com. Then you've got the astro phenom, Miss Constance Stellis. You lay out your birthday, she'll tell you about where your chart is, where you're headed to, some of the things you can predict, whether or not you're in astrological compatibility with that uh, Mr. or Mrs. Wonderful you're currently dating. See if that can happen. Learn about, more about Miss Constance Stellis by going to her website at ConstanceSellis.com. And then, of course, we have psychic empath Miss Lisa Kaza at LisaKaza.com. Lisa Kaza is so amazing. She's direct, straightforward, going to give you the straight, honest truth. She provides a tremendous amount of insight into where you're going and where you're, some of your biggest decisions. Lisa is very unique, hard-hitting, powerful. Lisa Casa, Constantellas, Carrie O'Connor, all virtues that you can hear on a regular basis on the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. I've talked to 75 psychic beings or more plus in my life. I think these three individuals stand out. They are amazing. I love them to death. Be sure to contact them and learn more about all of them by going to our website at OuterLimitsRadio.com. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.